Lego. To Connectivity 185. I'm your host Nicholas Bray, and today I'm joined by Neil Epic Yarn Ronahan. <laughs> I will accept that name very happily, <laughs> especially especially thinking back to the past of the show back in the newscast days, when there was basically just like a month and a half of like Nathan, Zach, and Andy just yelling at me for thinking that Kirby's Epic Yarn was amazing. Kirby's Epic Yarn, I I remember. Yes. <laughs> and like i and, think uh, i missed a week and i think that was the, the like neil's gonna kill us or something was the name of the episode more like kirby's epic yawn that's that's literally what what an episode was named nick referenced uh, yeah, wake up addison and, wake up <laughs> and uh that voice is uh addison webb hi well yeah i guess that's his true voice yeah he's been hiding it been hiding or, it. or he inha- he inhaled a man with a deeper voice and that's why his voice is deeper that, uh, okay so you know uh, just just breaking it let's back up for a minute he inhaled a man ooh, right okay then. addison you inhaling men all the time okay now we're done all right that's all of, all for the show <laughs> this, this show, week guys. This show's off to a great start but um <laughs> The plan for this episode is uh, to talk a bit about Kirby. Um, we'll be talking a bit about our history with the series and uh, maybe touching on Kirby 64 with a, in a bit more depth. Uh, but first, I wanted to once again start off with a little bit of what we've been up to. Uh, Neil, what, what have you been doing lately? Um, playing a lot of Etrian Odyssey 2, Untold, um, the new Atlas RPG. Um, it's it's fantastic. And I think that, like, I've been trying to kind of figure out why exactly I like those games so much. And I think part of it is that it's, there. there's a degree of exploration in all of those games. Because it's, it's I don't know how familiar you guys are with the Etrian Odyssey series, but it's how you, you have to map, um, on the, on the touchscreen, you have to, like, map the dungeons that you're going through, through, a, like, you have a first-person perspective. There's also a tap-down map that, like, you need to be like, alright, there's a door there. There's an enemy there, there's a secret path here, there's a treasure chest there. Um, maybe this is something I need to come back to later when I have a different quest that I'm on. Um, and it's just really fun kind of going through that. And there's a lot of different character classes that you can mess with as well. And the combat, the combat's, I mean, kind of standard turn-based RPG stuff, but there's a lot of stuff where um, there's a bigger focus in that game on, like, you know, buffs and, you know, like, binding enemies and stuff like that. Because uh, you can do stuff like I have, I have one setup. I have, I have two classes that kind of work very well together, where one uh, is very effective at like you know binding an enemy's head or arms or feet, and then I have the other one kind of follows up with an attack that does a ton of damage to someone who's uh, has an ailment. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm having a ton of fun of that. And the writing's really good. Like the so world's this is, really fun. This is the same game that you spoke about last episode, right? So you're still playing. Yeah. Same game. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, cool. no. That's yeah. probably true. Um, yeah, I really like Atrian Odyssey too, and I'll just keep on talking about it because it's amazing. 
But other than that, I played a ton of Splatoon with the new update. Um, yeah, which, I had a little bit of bit of a go at that yet last night as well. Yeah, and I think by the time by the time this episode's up, it'll be a little bit old news. But mm. um, I hadn't played Splatoon in like a month uh, before last night when the update went up, and I wound up I hopped on Skype, talked to some people from NWR. And uh, we we uh, did the ranked squad thing where it was, you know, all four of us hanging out, talking on Skype, playing the game. And I played for four hours from that update went live. And I stopped playing at about 2.15 in the morning my time. Um, made work today brutal. But uh, it's yeah. worth it. It'll be worth it until I fall asleep halfway through this podcast. <laughs> um, but that's so- really... I I haven't really played any other Nintendo games outside of that. I have been kind of screwing around with uh, with PS4 stuff as well. Um, I guess kind of the, the biggest thing with PS4 is Rocket League for me. Um, that game's real good. Yeah, it seems like it'd be fun. Uh, if I had a PS4, I might have might check that out. Yeah. I don't. So, uh, Addison, what have, what have you been up to lately? Well, most people probably don't realize that there is actually a third-party Wii U physical release recently. I've been playing that. It's the Legend well, no, no, of no, no, no. K. The physical, the physical release didn't come out yet. It didn't. It got delayed. It's on the eShop. But the physical. I mean, oh. Go on, talk about the game. But I don't. I don't think. I think you have to wait until August or like late August. But go to on to get the physical copy. I'm gonna. I'm gonna research this. You talk about the game. Oh, I thought you said I couldn't talk about the game until August. Well. No, no, no. Well, I mean, so, it is August now, so talk about the game. So, but I just, I don't. Know I'm doing the, the review for out. NWR, so I'll just say a little bit to whet y'all's appetites for my lovely review soon to come. But it's a PS2. It's like a platform, 3D platformer, crossed with some adventure game elements. It's like a Zelda light cross, like Jack and Daxter would be like the way I would describe it. But it was also a DS game. I've never played the DS version, but I have to imagine that was the worst playing version. Yep. Just because DS hardware compared to PS2, and now it's on PS4 and Wii U. And it's, Why is it's pretty this game fun. deserving of an anniversary? Like, I know it's been 10 years, but like, I, I, I'll be completely honest, I've never heard of this game until it was like there's a Wii U mm-hmm. game coming out. It's called Legend of K. It's based off of it's it's a remake of a game that came out ten years ago. I guess it's got some sort of cult following, right? Yeah, it uh, does. It um I can't remember who made it, but Nordic Games bought that company, so they had the IP sitting around. I guess they wanted to make a game, but was it a THQ game? Maybe. No, I don't think so. It was a pretty small studio, like smaller than that. But you're this cat named Kay, and you live in this world. It's like a lot of animal racism going on. It's really weird and kind of uncomfortable at times, but you and the other animal species that inhabited this island have been overtaken by species of rats and gorillas, and they kind of rule everything, and it's really, like, dystopian. And then you're a cat who's like taking kung fu lessons and learning sword art and they shut down your training school is like a terrorist training operation so so you can't do that anymore and then you steal your master's sword and you go off to fight the gorillas and the rats and what makes this game 
interesting is a lot of the 3D platforms that area combat was like such an afterthought like mash X to kill and this actually has like set combos that you do so the battle system is a lot more in depth than what you would usually get for that era and also the puzzle elements like they take the Zelda trope so far there's even a water temple level which I'm currently on, which is why I haven't made much progress recently. <laughs> it it even involves changing the flow of water. Like, it's that much of, like, the Zelda trope. But my main complaint so far is it seems to rely on a lot of, like, kill rooms. You aren't really, like, going mm. around constantly fighting. Like, you'll get surrounded, and then you'll have to fight off, like, five or six guys before you can progress. Uh, so that's yeah. kind of lame, but game runs great a lot better than it did originally 60 frames per second it looks good you still get some of the ps2 era camera jankiness with it but i haven't had it really bad to the point where it killed me except for like one part in the game so that's basically forgivable um as somebody who's played a lot of this 3d sonic games i can say that this might be more cringeworthy dialogue wise <laughs> which is saying a lot <laughs> So that's a whole other thing too. But I mean, I love cheesiness, but this kind of crosses the line for me. It's very, it is very Sonic the Hedgehog like animal with an attitude, sassiness. But gameplay wise, it's been a really enjoyable experience for me. So I think so, if you are sitting at your on. Wii U, being like, what it? am I going to do with this? It's $25, which is a fantastic deal for the price you get a full game like a Wii U <laughs> game like 25 bucks like what else are you going to play on your Wii U now you have 25 hey dollars to spend Gold Lost Age just came out what did you, you say Twenty. you could spend 20 bucks and play two Golden Sun games yeah <laughs> have you or, um, have, have they added can... any gamepad stuff to the game uh it's pretty much just it for just... off TV play. Yeah, okay. But if you want to play a game actually made for high definition hardware and not for a 32 bit portable system, Legend of K, you can't go wrong. Especially if you like 3D platformers. It's a little linear for the 3D platformer, which I particularly like since I hate backtracking. Hashtag Metroid sucks. But <laughs> if you can get over that. If you're a fan of 3D platformers like adventure games, it if you, you can't go wrong if you turn the voice off in the game so you don't have to listen to the cringeworthy dialogue. You just have to read it. Yeah, I feel like I I don't think I'm going to bite for this game on 20, at 25 bucks, but if I ever see it like go on sale for less than 20, I'd probably I'd probably bite. I'm kind of curious. And I did a Yeah. I looked up its publishing history. Um it was. It looks like it originated from Europe because there was a company called Joe Wood Productions that published it in Europe, and then it was published in North America on PS2 by Capcom. Hmm. Um, but then the DS game, which came out five years later in 2010, and appears to be a horrendous downport version of the the PS2 game. Um, there is one review on Metacritic. It's by a website called Nintendo Gamer, and they gave it a 39 out of 100. I think, or no, I think it's from a magazine actually. 
Um, mm. And the, the clip that they have on Metacritic for it is a five-year-old PS2 game, comma, eh, terrific. <laughs> and the, that DS, DS game, game. that DS game was published by Dreamcatcher Interactive, which was then bought by Nordic Games, and that's why we are where we are. Uh-huh. But I still don't, uh, like, it, it, just looking at the reception of this game, even when it came out on PS2, it, I don't know if it was quite... I mean, I guess there are people that hold it in really high esteem, but it doesn't seem like it was, like, some, like, across-the-board, like, oh, it just got a small release, but it's not like Shantae, where it's like, this game's incredible. It came out late on the PS2. No one played it. Um, yeah. It just seems yeah. like it was a, you know, a, a pretty solid 3D platformer that I guess they had the IP and figured they could bring it out and make money off it. Well... Maybe. Hopefully they make some money off it. Yeah. They're probably not going to make any money on the Wii U version. Uh, mm. The PS4 version might be doing pretty good. Hey, if you have to release a Wii U game, now's the time to do it. I, There's I don't, nothing I don't competing think with so. you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, wish, uh, I wish I wasn't so negative about this. And we kind of covered <laughs> a lot of this in the third party, third party episode that came out the other week. Um, I wish I wasn't so negative about, like, Wii U sales, but... Unless you're Splatoon or made by, unless you basically unless you are a really good game made by Nintendo, like you're probably not doing good on Wii U, and it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Or you have NFC figurines. Yeah. Well, no, mm-hmm. that the games don't sell; just the figurines sell. Well, I think that um, Skylanders will sell, but nobody will actually play that version. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that's like the best. Like, Activision's brilliant. Because all they had to do was put in the work to make two exclusive figures for the Nintendo systems and then have them released in a way where if you want to get both Donkey Kong and Bowser, you need to literally buy two copies of the four. game. Well, four to get the dark ones, Oh, yeah, too. the dark versions, too. So we can all uh, laugh at Justin Baruby in late September when he's <laughs> going to a Toys R Us and being like... And buying a um, $100 Wii game. <laughs> Four times, four times. I'm gonna go there. Like, like he, maybe, maybe you he can wait for like Wii a buy version. two get one free deal at Toys R Us or something. Or no, they have the, it's it's the buy one get one forty percent off, so he can just get four copies of Skylanders all in one go. Oh boy, like I, they they might sell them separately, the DK and the Bowser. Um, but but they're not saying that they're gonna do that, and it's it's really it's as someone who's like recovering from this amiibo shenanigans. I just I love it. I love it so much. Um, yeah, I'll and say it feels so GameStop. good because I, thanks thanks to our, our other Australian staffer uh, Andrew Brown, um, I don't have to deal with any of the bullshit with like the stuff coming out on September 11th, um, because I got I got like Doctor Mario, uh, Zero Suit Samus, Ganondorf, and Olimar from Australia. You know, so, like, there's so there is so many of those on the shelves here. I mean, I was at a shop yesterday and it was just filled to the brim with those figures, all of those ones. Our uh, like, our Duck Hunt, Game and Watch, and uh, they're not out yet. Okay, we might we might be staying in touch. I mean, I assume we will. Yeah, we're both in Nintendo World. <laughs> I, I have I'm sent on this podcast uh, packages to people on Americans on Twitter, sort of like people yeah. from from Twitter and stuff. But anyway. Um, so, Nick, I, what's up been, with you? Yeah, what's up with me? I actually bought Kirby and the Rainbow Curse yesterday. Uh, that seems I wasn't going to buy it, but I found it at Target for $42 Australian. So, that was just 
a good price. So I was like, I'll, gra- I'll grab that now because it's probably not going to be ever be cheaper again. So what is what is the equivalent of like forty two dollars? Is uh, that like twenty five here? Or something? Uh, I, don't I know, know I know exactly. it's I know like all the Australian. The Australian. It's probably closer. It's probably closer to. Uh, it's probably closer to thirty dollars American. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know that there's like that that kind of big disparity and that but i know i remember mm. i think i don't know if i was talking to you or andrew about how like despite the fact that everything every, like the actual monetary like you know the the number is higher in australia it's not like grossly overpriced it's just the way that like things are mm. there compared to america yeah, like uh uh amiibos here usually cost like 17 bucks so but then I'm when sure i mean i know for. andrew andrew like thrown it through whatever stuff for for me mm. repaying him it's it comes out to like 13 bucks and i mean yeah see that's so. like it's not really that much like, yeah extra or it's anything, it's but... about the same mm. and um i actually saw the new dragon ball z movie last night um as well oh, how was that yeah it was pretty good um i don't know if you guys are huge dragon ball fans but uh, like like 15 years fun. ago i was <laughs> yeah. so it's 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 there dormant just waiting for a good excuse this might be that good excuse <laughs> um yeah so uh, freezer comes back to life and blah 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 um you know uh the fights are whatever but like the most um it was a lot of comedy in the movie so there was a lot of fun moments between characters and things like that so i thought like that was fun to watch at least so and the theater was pretty full i mean there was like one kid there but <laughs> um most people were like my age like you know, 25 to 30 sort of thing. I'm going to go see Fantastic Four tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of wish that I saw it so that I could talk about it now because I think that Fantastic Four is going to be a beautiful disaster and I'm very excited to see it. You know, I, people saying it's that's bad, but um, the trailer, I don't know, it doesn't look that bad to me. I, I assume it's like going to be like... I can't fathom average. it being as bad as everyone's saying it is. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Like, I could hear it being like, okay, yeah, you know what? Like, it was watchable, but, like, whatever. Mm. Like, that's kind of what I was expecting. Yeah, middle But it's like, this is like, you're going to go in there, and then, like, the thing's going to punch your mom in the mouth. Like, that's that's the vibe that I'm getting from this movie, is that it's just going to yeah. offend you. Like, you're going to go in there, and it's just going to be like, hey, guess what? Like, like your dad's dead. I killed him. Like, wow, that was really mean, Fantastic Four movie. Why did you do that? <laughs> Probably couldn't be as bad as Pixels. There is a yeah. Well, the, the Rotten Tomatoes score. <laughs> yeah, no, I read I read a synopsis of Pixels, and I kind of wish I didn't. Like, I just wanted to know, like, okay, everyone's all up in arms about how terrible this movie is. I'm gonna read mm. the synopsis, and maybe, like, I figured, like, at the end of it, I'd read the synopsis and be like, okay, yeah, that sounds really dumb, but like, I could see that being poorly executed. No, I'm just reading this, and like, every decision that they make for that movie, I'm like, what? Why? Who the fuck would ever do that? Who thought mm. this was a good idea? <laughs> so get ready for in like a year when we do a live show and it's just us drinking while watching Pixels. <laughs> P- Pixels the movie. Yeah. Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, that's all it is. It's just Batman, Donkey Kong, <laughs> Cubert. Oh, man, like whoever owns the Cubert... Um, franchises keeps throwing him into anything that is video game related whoever I mean. whoever owns a cubert franchise is really getting fucked if you know what i mean <laughs> who well, is that who, well they get money Q-Bert. for it at least i don't know 
It's probably just Not like Gottlieb some random anymore. guy from the 80s. Is it Gottlieb? Gottlieb is who originally published it and developed it. Who owns the rights? I don't think they exist anymore. Yeah, what happened to Gottlieb? Cause yeah, defunct in like 96. A, yeah. Because recently some studio did like a Qbert Lives game on Steam or something like that. You know PSN why Qbert was in that movie? Owned by Columbia Pictures. Oh. Oh. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, Qbert and its spinoffs are currently owned by Columbia Pictures. Hmm. And it was probably the only video game character that it was, they're allowed to put in the sex scene. Yeah, that they're allowed to see get fucked. They're probably like in a meeting with Nintendo, with Miyamoto. Just being like, alright, we want to have Donkey Kong be the final boss. Also, um, we want to we wanna have Yoshi be in a scene. <laughs> and like Miyamoto's face is just like, what? Like the last time people came in here, they were like, hey, we want to have a therapy scene with villains and Bowser's going to be in it. The time before that, it was like, we want to use the Zelda theme in Scott Pilgrim. And, like, like it's just going downhill, man. Adam Sandler should have hooked up with uh, Pauline at the end. <laughs> anyway, uh, on that note, we'll take a short break and be back with our discussion about Kirby.
And welcome back. Now we're going to be talking about Kirby, the pink blob, the the guy that sucks things in and eats them. The puffball um, so... itself. Itself? <laughs> Does Kirby have a gender? Kirby is usually referred to as a guy. They usually say he and whatever. Um, cool. So yeah, like um, we were going to play a little bit of Kirby 64. I think I'm the only one that put a tiny bit I of time had, into it. Downloaded it on my I Wii played U. it tonight. Oh, you played it tonight, Addison? And, and, yeah. and I know that you, Neil, um, wrote an article that sort of touched on some aspects of yeah. uh, Kirby 64 recently. Do you want to kick off with that a little bit? Yeah, um, so I, I love Kirby 64. I, I unfortunately did not play it on Wii U Virtual Console, but when it came out on Wii Virtual Console, um, I, I got it and played it, and I remembered enjoying it back when it came out, but I was also like 12 years old when it came out, so I figured like you know, people are kind of sour on this game now, and I'm going to go back and play it and not really enjoy it. And I loved it when I played it. I think I liked it even more the second time when I played it on Wii Virtual Console than I did the first time. And mm-hmm. I think that game's really fun. Um, I think it has, like, this nice slower pace to it. I like the, the fusing the abilities together. And, like, I think it. I think it's a really nice-looking game on the N64 as well. It's It's one of the few games from that era that I think doesn't look like butt now. Um... And I just think it's a really great game. So when we found out that Kirby 64 was going to be coming to Wii U Virtual Console, I had thought of like, okay, I'm going to go, let's see who made this game. Let's see what those guys are up to now. And I came across the director of the game, who I'm probably butchering his name, and I apologize, uh, Shinichi Shimamura. Um, and he directed Kirby 64. He also uh, directed Kirby's Dreamland 2 and Kirby's Dreamland 3, which I... Hmm. When kind of digging down this rabbit hole, uh, there's uh, apparently that's kind of a trilogy of games between Dreamland 2, 3, and Kirby 64. Because all the Shimamura-directed games, which were running kind of concurrent with all of Sakurai's games, like, you know, Kirby's Dreamland, Adventure, Superstar, uh, Air Ride, like, those were all... Those were all Sakurai games, whereas Shimamura was kind of doing this parallel line where the games were a lot more slower-paced. They had the Animal Friends... Um, yeah. They all had the, the persistent threat of this villain called Dark Matter that only shows up in any kind of real capacity in Dreamland 2, 3, and Kirby 64. Hmm. Um, and it's kind of weird just because a lot of that stuff was never really touched on in any later Kirby games. It's kind of like the Sakurai path won out. Um, and then as, as, as I was reading more about Shimamura, um, he worked on he actually worked with Sakurai on the remake of the original, the Game Boy Advance one, Nightmare in Dreamland, and then he doesn't have any more game credits after that. Um, hmm. it, I, I tried to confirm any way I could. I even reached out to Nintendo about it. Um, but the the prevailing theory is that Shimamura passed away in like 2003. Uh, he was relatively young. Uh, I don't hmm. know exact age because there's, there's not a lot of inf- information about him out there outside yeah. of a lot of people speculating that he's dead. Um, but it does, I mean, it kind of adds up that, you know, he, his last game credit was in 2002. Um, and there's kind of no mention of him, no reference to him in any later game. Um, and it's just kind of, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting and, and, and weird that there was this kind of this part of Kirby's history that just kind of faded into the background and outside of, and, you know, Kirby and the rainbow curse, um, there's a kind of little reference to the animal friends, but other than that, it's like that, that line, that slow paced, you know, a little more, a little more plotting, a little more contemplative line of Kirby games. It's just, yeah. it's just kind of, it stops at Kirby 64. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, I started playing uh, Kirby 64 this week and I'm probably mm, about halfway or just over halfway through the game. And um, I had also played most of it on the Wii Virtual Console back when that came out. Um, I, I do like the game, but there is some aspects of it where I'm not like super into that I'm not super into like I find some of the movement speeds annoying like um you know whenever you fly as Kirby he doesn't got much forward momentum anymore it takes like a while to get him to sort of fly forwards at a yeah. decent speed and um even some of the power-ups like uh the boom like the boomerang power goes really slow and you got to wait quite a while before it will come back to Kirby so so you can attack again um, stuff like that is a little annoying and some of the later levels I found that the length of them started to get longer and I kind of preferred the, like the length of the levels in the first three worlds where they were, they were a bit shorter. Um, I'm not sure how much longer they are but yet they feel longer for some reason. Um, and I haven't even I haven't got to the end of the game. Um, I've never finished the game before but I'll probably you gotta, actually... you gotta do it 100% or else you don't yeah. get to see the real ending. Yeah, I'll probably do that this time now that I'm playing it on the actual uh, cartridge, NTSC cartridge, because I was playing the PAL version on the Wii, and that's probably a little slower uh, paced oh, okay. as well, so that probably didn't help back in the day. But um, no, the game is very nice, and it is fun looking for the, the three shards and all the levels. Um, some of those are hidden in some nifty little spots and uh, sort of hard to... Not hard, but like some of them are like locked, like tucked away in places you may not look, look for. Yeah. Um, and and another uh, the way you can play this game now is obviously on the Wii U Virtual Console, but you can also buy the Kirby's Dream Collection disc, uh, which I also did uh, recently, um, and that's a really good package. That's got like six games. It's got like the what the Game Boy games. It's Super yeah. It's, well, it's, it, actually, I have the list up right now. Uh, Dreamland Adventure, Dreamland Two, Superstar, Dreamland Three, and Crystal Shards. Yeah, and it's got a bunch of uh, exclusive challenge levels as well, which yep, is kind of that, cool. are, that are all kind of based off of uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how I played sixty four is through that compilation disc. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah, I threw it in. I threw it in to have a look at, it, and uh, the emulation is like not like it's a little a little framey, a bit more framier than the uh, actual N sixty four game. But you know, it's not not going to ruin your experience or anything. And uh, that package definitely is really good. So, Addison, uh, how do you like Kirby sixty four? I tend to agree with you that it's a little slow for me at times, but like I think it's even slower than the Game Boy games were. Mm. I think just Kirby's yeah, movement. It is totally slow. is. But I think it's, I think I think sixty four is really the slowest that Kirby's ever been. Yeah, yeah by I'd far. Have to say that. Yeah. But the dual powers is really cool. Um what this game kinda reminded me of is like a watered like not in a bad way, but like a simplified, like watered down two D Castlevania before the Metroidvania is like that style of like thoughtful action mm. platforming. It was just kind of the pace was similar I to actually, that. I totally see that. I've kind of always thought as Kirby is kind of like Nintendo's equivalent to that series. 
but I, I don't know no if I totally go along with that uh with that line of thought, but I, I see where you're mm. coming from with that. Unless it's uh, the Amazing Mirror, which is much more like a Metroid game. Yeah. Well, I don't like well, I don't I like the, the Amazing Mirror at all. I think that I, I think the Amazing don't. Mirror. If I ever could play that with three other people, I think the Amazing Mirror would be amazing. <laughs> I did not. Oh God, I'm tired, mm. man. Yeah. Um, no, um, but, but like I think that would be really cool if I could play that kind of the way that game was designed. But playing that game by yourself is not fun. I don't. Mm. I don't like. Kirby and the Amazing no, it's not. at all. I like my Kirby games more linear as well. I, I yeah. don't really like the Amazing Room for that reason as well. So It just didn't seem to fit. It was square peg round hole for me. Like that entire game. What was y'all's favorite combo you could get for a power? Uh, the, Darth, the Darth Maul looking one. I think it's like electric and sword. And that's more... Oh, that's yeah. more keep, in, keep in mind when I first played this game was the year 2000. When I was I was twelve <laughs> years old and fresh off of episode one, and I was not at the point where I thought that episode one was a terrible movie. Yeah. Um. And Darth Maul was badass. So playing this game, I'm like, oh god, he's got like a Darth Maul sword. This is great. Mm. Um. Some of the powers are like help with the momentum. Some of them like really like uh, smooth when with the forward momentum as well. So you can keep using it and yeah. still slide along the ground. Like the fi- the is- fireball. Yeah, the fireball is pretty good, but uh, even the the lightsaber one, you can sort of just keep swinging it, and Kirby will sort of slide <laughs> forward. Yeah. Um, and also the other power I really like is the double bomb. So it's like homing missiles. You can just like shoot three missiles out, and it will target enemies like automatically. So the wheel isn't in this game at all. I didn't notice. It yeah, they, there. there was a pretty limited right? amount. I think that's part of it because of all the the, the fusion stuff. I mean, I have yeah. The it? wheel there's, would have helped. There's fire, the rock, ice, like a spike, bomb, electric, and and uh, and cutter. Mm. And you have to use the um, the combinations of powers to get some of the shards as well. They're they're behind um, like blocks that are color coded. So you need to have a specific uh, ability, which is like assigned a certain color, to like crack it open and get the shard. So, you know that makes you sort of aware of um, trying out, you know, more um, combinations. Yeah, that's something they brought back a lot with Triple Deluxe. Uh, yeah. I played that one. Uh, Triple Deluxe is fantastic. I think that's actually my favorite Kirby game. I like the Swiss Army one as well. It's the double the double needle. Um, that's just goofy. I mean, that's what I like a lot about. A lot of the combinations are just kind of goofy. And some of them are kind of not really that helpful, but there is that little bit of, like, that kind of puzzly element that you need to figure out um, what one what one you need to go into to, you know, unlock everything. Because they're all, you know, in order to get 100%, you need to have, what what are they called? The, the crystal shards. Yeah, that's the name of the damn game. Um... <laughs> you need to collect all the crystal shards in order to get the the 100 ending and beat the secret boss and everything um and a lot of those are found by having the right power in an area and like kind of getting to that area yeah like that's that's probably the mo- like the best part of the game into me like the levels are, you know fighting the enemies isn't all that exciting really um the powers getting the powers is cool but you know there's a lot there's a lot of um like just climbing over like small blocks and things like that. You can't. I don't know. And Kirby, Kirby can't fly indefinitely either. 
Right. He gets. He starts to have the anime trope sweat, mm. and he starts <laughs> to sink. I I noticed there's a lot of disparity between the powers, though, because you had like the lightsaber one, and like the double bombs, and then you had the ice skates, which <laughs> all it really did was make you commit suicide when trying to do any f- type of platforming at all. And do you say he gets ice skates? Yeah. Is that how do you get that? Is that like double snow power? It's the snow, and I think snow and cutter. I have I yeah. have a, okay. the boomerang. I don't I have, on com, I'm looking at a list of all of the powers. There's 49 in all, with all the combos. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, some some of the cutter powers were kind of gross too. He like rips off his flesh and then throws it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. If you if you mix that with the spike, he gets like pincer the Pokemon like the t- <laughs> big like pincers on top of his head. Yep. It's like bloody colored. It's kind of creepy. Mm. I do like that. It's the double-bladed laser sword is the official name of the lightsaber power-up. Yeah, that is cool, that one. I really want to know. Like, like I think that's... I mean, it's very clearly, like... That, that is inspired by Darth Maul, I'm pretty sure. You know, just like, just like um, Smash Brothers had the lightsaber as well, basically. Yeah. yeah. And that would have been around the, the same time. Sword. Yeah. So, um, any other thoughts on Kirby 64? Outside of that, like... It's a solid game. Yeah. It is a solid game, yeah. Like, I definitely, like... I know that I'm on an island with how much I like this game compared to other people. And, like, when... I mean, a lot lot of what you guys are saying that, like, you don't like that much about it. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. I just... I really enjoy it. Um, And it is weird because it just... I mean, it's it's a it's a game that's kind of it's it's the end of an era, so to speak, is you know the last, the last Kirby game of its kind, um, and it also is kind of responsible for like this weird development cycle where, what what was it? Kirby Air Ride was originally going to be an N sixty four game. Sakurai was working on that, and then it got canceled because I think Nintendo just wanted Sakurai to make a traditional Kirby game. Uh, Sakurai got all pissy and then made Smash Brothers. Um, and then he's been, just been sequelizing that um, every every couple of years since. Um, and then and then Kirby 64 came about, and I think it was supposed to be a 64 DD game at one point. And I don't know how long it was in development, but I think it, it took a while before it came out because it, it went through a lot of iterations. I remember um, back when it was like out on the 64 back in the day um i really wanted to get the game really badly but i never never did like uh just the the look of the game and like the back of the box like showed like mini games and stuff like that i think like just the style of it really like appealed at the time and um it looked really fun i didn't even really know that much about too much about kirby at that point even i hadn't even really played a kirby game properly at that point but um, I do remember really wanting the game when it that's like when it came out on the Wii Virtual Console. I was like I jumped on that straight away, but um, I don't know. Maybe my expectations were too high. I like I still enjoy it, but it's yeah, it's not like my favorite one or anything. Yeah, it's a good game. I just think that a lot of the previous Kirby games had a lot more to offer, and it was kind of thrown in that weird two and a half D. N64 
side scrollers like Yoshi's yeah, where story. It's like, we can't use sprites. It has to be three D. Yeah, and at least with this game, you could use the D pad. You can yeah. only use the D pad. Yep. Oh, really? It's like one of one of like four games that that uses like that because I mean the N sixty four controller like when it was made. It wasn't supposed to be, like, you were supposed to be able to hold it in multiple different ways. Right. Like, you could hold it like a traditional controller and have, you know, one one thumb by the D-pad and the other one by the buttons. Or you could hold it where you'd have one hand by the D-pad and one hand by the analog stick. But really it kind of evolved into where it was just always left hand, analog stick, right hand, buttons. Except for, like, I don't know, I think Fighter's Destiny in Kirby 64. So, um, what other Kirby games... Have you guys like enjoyed over the years? Like, well, where did you where did you guys start um, with Kirby? What was like the first game that you played or remember playing? Kirby's Adventure. Kirby's um, Adventure. I didn't actually play Dreamland. Dream Land. Was I didn't play Dreamland until it came out on 3DS Virtual Console. And well, that mm. game is very easy. Um, I had a lot of fun with it when I went back to to play it for the first time when it came out on mm. 3DS Virtual Console. And then I played through it on hard mode too. And on hard mode, it's it's way way harder. Yep. Um, and yeah, Kirby's that was Adventure, my first. Kirby's Adventure is just epic, like, and a little bit of that was you know kind of playing it back in its day. Um, it was a you know super late NES game. I think it's a fantastic looking NES game, and there was just the way that that, the way that you could go around and move around the like the world map, um, and just go through that. Like, I really enjoyed that. It was it was something that kind of I guess, you know, when when I was when I was young, it. it piqued my interest and and then superstars incredible um i love me some kirby 64 uh triple deluxe is fantastic epic yarns wonderful um and i i i feel like um kirby's dreamland 3 is something that everybody overlooked that game's actually yeah, pretty I, cool the the I art played... style and that's awesome yeah i played that one a bit back like in the early 2000s and uh that was really fun and um has like cameos from samus and things in it yeah so that's cool but yeah the art style in that one's brilliant i mean that rivals uh yoshi's island um, i think it's better good, looking than yoshi's island i, I kind of agree game. yeah i mean yeah. i think i think that yoshi's island is, is by far the better game um i don't even think there's an argument to be made there but the way that dreamland 3 looks like it's it's so cool looking and the music's really good like it's it's a, it's, I feel like it's a game. I mean, it's like, it, it really is. It's, it's kind of sad going back to the stuff with Shimamura and his three games just getting overlooked. But like Dreamland 2, 3, and 64, just kind of, it's just like, oh, it's not Superstar? Whatever. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I played both Superstar and Dreamland 3 in mostly co op as well. So I have, like, good memories playing, um, that game with like, friends and stuff yeah playing is gooey and i mean i think kirby for me is like at its best when i'm playing it with like someone else it's more fun i don't like i'm not really sure why but like i seem to enjoy the kirby games more when i'm playing co-op which is like different to like mario because i hate playing um two-player or like four-player mario now it's just frustrating to like orchestrate everything I think that's probably a little bit because Kirby games are usually less precise. And I think yeah, a little bit of yeah. that happens ha- happens to be that I, I think that, as is evidenced by stuff like Subspace Emissary, is that like Sakurai as a designer is pretty bad at level design. Um, like, I mean, if you just look at a lot of his Kirby games, like, it's 
it's not like a very like compelling structure to go through or it's not like there's a lot of it's not like, it's not a Mario game where Mario yeah. games are kind of built around like oh like here's a hard jump or like you need to figure out how to get past this Kirby games it's just like Ironhoe you're going to have a power you're probably going to have a power up you're going to be OP as all hell just mm-hmm. have fun and, yeah. and I think that there's something that makes it a really fun co-op game because like you can both screw around with different powers and especially when they, they got later in the series and had it where it's like each power has like its own like little move set where it's like you use like almost fighting game motions yeah, to do different crazy. attacks. I mean, like it's so um, cool. Superstar t- has has a ton of that. Yeah, and we um return to Dreamland or Kirby's Adventure Wii as it's known over here. Um like had like I was surprised when I started playing that at the amount of like you could do with each power. I mean, you have to go into the start menu and like check all the little combinations you can do because some of them have quite a, like a few pages of like moves that you can pull off. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty cool. Which I've also been playing through that game slowly over the last I don't know year year and a half or so. Um, but again, like I'm probably about halfway through, but sometimes the length of the levels like. I can only play that game for like maybe three or four levels at a time before I'm sort of like, oh, I've had enough. Cause they, they can be fairly lengthy. Um, those levels I found. That was, um, Kirby's return to dreamland is another game. I think, I feel like on a recent episode of connectivity, I mentioned about how, um, my, my experience with rhythm heaven fever, um, is, is about how like I, the review copy came in when we still got physical review copies and my, my apartment was, you know, site home base um, we'd get review copies in, and then before I'd send it out, I would open up the game and play as much as I could before sending it out. <laughs> yeah. um, Kirby's Return to Dreamland was another one with that, where I basically just mainlined that game over a night, um, which probably wasn't the best way to play that game in retrospect. Uh, but I, I feel like the one thing that I missed with Return to Dreamland, and I think it goes back to what you were saying, is that I think that that game's way better in co-op. And I've yeah, noticed that, like... Is, yeah. I, I think that you're you're 100% right with that because I feel like Kirby's uh, Kirby and the Rainbow Curse was the same way where like I I you know kind of enjoyed that game playing by myself and then I had some friends over and we messed around with the co-op and the co-op in that game changes everything like that game is so much more fun when you're when you're playing it in co-op and the same goes for Return to Dreamland yeah how did you find um, Triple Deluxe did you like you said you really liked that game, so was that fine in single player? Can you do that in multiplayer? I uh, no, you can't. But I think that part of the reason for that is that it's designed around single player, right? Whereas you know, Rainbow Curse and Return to Dreamland, and and I mean, going back to what we my my hate that I was thrown on Amazing Mirror, like those games were kind of designed more with multiplayer in in mind. Mm, and I think yeah. that Triple De- Triple Deluxe, and, and probably the reason why it stands out so much, and people are so crazy about Triple Deluxe is that it was a Kirby game following a long line of Kirby games that were either, I guess, like, kind of mediocre or forgettable or built completely around multiplayer. I mean, yeah. if you think about, like, I guess outside of, what, Squeak's God and Nightmare in Dreamland, um, there's probably a 15-year period where, like, there was, like, two or three single-player-focused Kirby games as opposed to, like, four or five multiplayer ones. Or ones with, like, like Canvas Curse or Mass Attack that were just, like, bonkers. Yeah. Um, not really traditional stuff. But Triple Deluxe is just, like, it's such a finely tuned, polished single-player experience that does a lot of cool stuff with the 3D. Um, it has all the fun, like, 
all, a lot of the same power stuff that's in Return to Dreamland. Mm. Um, like that really that was that's probably one of my favorite recent like just straight up platformer games in the past couple of years. I think that game's really special. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna um, get that eventually, but um, probably not for a little while still. Have either of you guys ever played Squeak Squad? Uh, no. Um, yeah, I think I did. Um, I think I did, but that was a long time ago. I think it might have been a friend's copy or something. I think it's called Mouse Attack over here. <laughs> or some, maybe. I could be wrong. Mouth Attack? M- mouse. <laughs> I feel like oh. the bad guys are mice <laughs> or something, because that's why, why it's Squeak in America. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm kind of curious to check that game out, especially now that it's on Wii U Virtual Console. Like, I... I remember hearing bad things about it, but I feel like I'm I'm kind of confuddling that a little bit with Wario Master of Disguise, because it's like the team behind uh, Squeak Squad, it's Flagship, and those guys made really good Zelda games, and actually a lot of people from Flagship are still making Zelda games to this day. Um, when Flagship mm-hmm. disbanded, a lot of them joined Nintendo. Yeah. And actually, um, what might turn into an article on the site, if I ever actually play Squeak Squad and, and write about it, is uh, the director of Squeak Squad um, and a lot of like the kind of senior development staff in the game that was at Flagship at the time, all of them are at HAL Labs now, um, still making Kirby games. Mm. So, I mean, I think that was a lot of... That was kind of like their first Kirby game, so maybe it is rough around the edges. Uh, but I I have a feeling I'm probably going to... At some point, I'm going to pick that up on Wii Virtual Console and play through it, because I'm curious. Because, I think... Like, I think um, the... Like the thing people were generally saying about that game were like was like um it's like very middle of the road it's like it's a Kirby game like it's very average uh it's like nothing spectacular about it it's like it it just sort of it's like a by the numbers Kirby game uh, that's what I sort of remember the sort of the opinion being at the time yeah so I mean it might be like I'm hungry for a new Kirby game maybe I'll really yeah. enjoy that yeah, it's probably a lot to do with, um, you know, when you like the timing of when you play it or sort of what mood you're in, really, I'd assume. Which is kind of funny, because that's kind of how I felt about Return to Dreamland when I first played it, is it felt like a by-the-numbers Kirby game. And that's a lot yeah. of people, mm-hmm. that's like their favorite Kirby game ever. Mm. But yeah, like we were saying just before, like, co-op makes that game way better. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Kirby as a whole, like, I, I like that series a lot. Um... The character's fun. Mm-hmm. He's malleable. I mean, Kirby's my, like, he was my Smash Brothers character in 64. Um, and Melee. He was awesome and... in 64. <laughs> I keep using him because he was so awesome in 64, and I just want him to get, I just want to be able to, like, play as him all the time. I so forget. he's, like, my number one guy. Was it in Brawl that he got super nerfed? Uh, he was nerfed in Melee, and um, they actually made him a bit better in Brawl, and then oh, they've okay. made him a bit better again in uh, Wii U. I think the Wii U one's the best he's been since 64. Yeah, like, I knew, I knew it was... I, yeah, I couldn't remember if it was Melee or Brawl, because I, I think he was my main. Uh, I mean, not that I, I... I didn't play... Well, I played a lot of Smash Brothers 64, but I played a lot of Smash Brothers 64, I guess, to be bluntly, like an idiot. Um, like, I I never played fighting games before Smash Brothers. Yeah. Um, or at least never played him seriously. Like, I'd, like, screw around in Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. Um, but Kirby was the one that I was good with, so I'd play as Kirby a lot. But then mm-hmm. when Melee came around, I wanted to play as Samus, so I started playing as Samus, and then yeah. and then kind of... 
I played a lot of Samus and Roy early on in, in Melee. Mm. I mean, I used to love using the funnel cutter uh, just to, like, smash people straight yeah. down in the air. Or like, his it, throw. Was, it was like a solid object in 64. Oh, his now, throw was super yeah. His throw was absurd yeah. in 64. Yeah. It was so good. And you could suck people in, just jump off the edge and shoot them yep. out. And <laughs> yeah. You can love. still do that. Yeah, Kirby's you can still kind of do it, but it's like, heaps harder to do because they can yeah. get out so much quicker. And uh, in at least in melee, you could do the backwards throw and jump off the... Uh, jump off the um, edge of the stage as well. And if it was like, if you're both on one stock, it'll kill the other person first. Yep. So you I win. had a friend who would play as Kirby and basically just try to do that to win. Yeah. <laughs> he succeeded a lot. It was no fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also used Roy and... Um, I think, yeah, Roy and Kirby in Melee. It was kind of funny with Melee because... Like, because of how long I played that game. Like, I didn't, like, play it consistently until Brawl came out. But, like, it was it was a game that was in heavy rotation. Like, there might be, like, a year where I didn't play it that much. But, like, for the most part, like, that was something that was a regular occurrence that I played consistently over seven years. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, like, I always played as Roy a lot. And that, that came from having a friend who played a lot of Marth. And I was just like, I'm going to beat you. And Marth is very clearly on paper better than Roy. But I got to be pretty good with Roy. Um, and then I played a lot of Samus and then f dropped off of Samus. I think then I was, got really good with Pikachu to the point that I would troll people and play as Pichu and still beat some people. Um, and then, uh, and then near, I know right before Brawl came out, I got super good with Peach and there was a GameStop. Um, I like for, for when Brawl came out, um, I visited my friend at his college and there was like a GameStop nearby that was having a, a tournament for I think they had like a brawl tournament but before they could have the brawl tournament they just had melee running um, and just had like people playing and I think they might have done a tournament or something but I played as Peach and pissed off a lot of people there because they were all like oh you're not going to do any good and I'm like oh, I'm going to show you because Peach was awesome in melee did you also uh, then throw the controller down and walk out like Johnny no D no I did, I did not do a total Johnny <laughs> Metz moment but it was, it was kind of similar because people started getting really mad at me yeah. Because well, cause they would start, oh, God, he's playing as Peach. Whereas, like, everyone's playing as Sheik. Mm. Um, mm. And then, then I won some games, and then people started giving me shit about it. And then and then my one friend, that, the, the Marth-playing friend that I referred to earlier, won that tournament. Uh, Very okay. easily. Like, he could actually, have done it one hand behind his back. Mm. <laughs> I also use Peach, actually. I, I use Peach in uh, the Wii U one as well. I, I don't like her as much in the Wii U one. Yeah. Mm. Like, I don't even really know what my Smash Brothers main is anymore, because there's so many damn characters. There's so many, but, you know... Lucina is <laughs> yours. I saw you in the Smash Brothers tournament, my friend. Yeah. You are very good with Lucina. I actually, you know, I, like, I like Lucina a lot, too. It was nice seeing I, you play as her, because she's... I guess I guess if I had something approaching a main, it, it might be, mm -hmm. like, Lucina. But now that Roy's back, old habits die hard. Yeah, I might try Rory out, but the only reason I switched to Lucina was because the week, one of the weeks, like after just after the first couple of rounds, I ended up playing with some friends, and he was one of my friends was using Lucina, and then I tried it out. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it seems to be she seems to be a bit better than Kirby, so I'll switch to her. <laughs> and then I don't think you lost a match as Lucina the rest of the way, and until the last one, I think. Uh, okay, I can't remember. 
Anyway, um, we should probably get back on track to, uh, <laughs> to Kirby. Um, all right, all right. Let's let's go around. To wrap it uh, up. Top 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 three Kirby games in order. All right. Nick, go. Uh, okay, I'll say Superstar, Dreamland Three, and um, I don't know Kirby's Air Ride probably. Ah, that's Kirby Air Ride is great. Addison. Uh, Dreamland, Dreamland Two, Dreamland Three. <laughs> wow. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go uh, Triple Deluxe Superstar sixty four. Cool. Yeah, actually, we'll just uh, quickly touch on Kirby's Air Ride. So, do you guys have? Did you guys have much experience with that back in the day? Did you just play it a lot? I played uh, it a little bit. I played it in, in college. Well, I guess I should explain in college, but it was the late two thousands. Um, okay, one of yep. one of one of my wives' uh, friends. One of your wives. <laughs> one of one of my wife's friends um, had a bunch of GameCube. Like she has Cubivore. Cubivore is yeah. great. That's how I got to play Cubivore. Um, huh. She had Kirby Air Ride, and I borrowed Kirby Air Ride and played a ton of it. And like that city ride mode is so much fun. I, was I, think say, I, it's I think so that good. game is so underrated. Um, and then mm. I think Guillaume was talking about playing it on like an RFN episode, and then I wound up getting it off of eBay very shortly after that. Yeah. Um, and played a ton of that game last summer, mm-hmm. and that that game's really fun, and it's it's really it's really interesting to look at as kind of a precursor to what would happen with a lot of Sakurai games with Smash Brothers and stuff, because it has a lot of the elements. That would become very prevalent in, in, in Brawl and Kid Icarus and, and Smash Brothers Wii U and 3DS are all yeah. kind of like like the the what I'm gonna call it like the wall to do challenges like that's there, mm-hmm. um, and it's almost like you can you can kind of see the start of his his tendency to just throw in the kitchen sink with games. Yeah. Um, it kind of starts with Kirby Air Ride, which is this like almost disturbingly simple game mechanic that just like you can. There's so many options. There's so many different things about it. There's a lot of nuance to such a simple concept. Like I could, I I think if if I could actually like do some legit research and not have to like go through like old interviews and stuff to get any information about Sakurai, like I could write a freaking book on that guy. Like I I think that a lot of his, <laughs> a lot of his the way that he develops games is fascinating mm. and so unique, and that's yeah. the reason why his games stand out so much, is because of the the way that he does things. Mm. I mean, my my friends and I played played it back when it was new a lot, a fair bit, and um, we didn't well, we didn't really play the racing segment a whole lot. We were just playing multiplayer in the city. Um, city ride is awesome. The free, the free roam. There must have been like a free roam mode that you could play in four player, and we actually like constructed our own sort of game within that thing. Like the 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 idea was to sort of like try and get to different um different vehicles and then you sort of like try to hide them on the map and like stockpile them so you could get like the best one and then like keep killing everybody else <laughs> so like we actually like used to have like duels you used to like duel people on other like other vehicles like do you do like a spin attack or something and like like try and destroy their their um their machine and then uh, go down and like take it away and whatever like i don't know like you can actually um there's points in the map on that where the invisible wall has a hole in it 
and you can go outside into the water and hide stuff in there. And like, there's like all sorts of stuff in that mode that you can do. Like we just found by like constantly playing that awesome. mode. Awesome. Yeah. That's like, so cool. That, re- that reminds, that, that reminds me of, I think it was Halo 2 or may- might've been Halo 1, but like I played that with a couple of my friends and we just have wraith battles where we take the giant tank <laughs> and just have a bunch spawned on a map. I think, I think mm. you might've only been able to have like two on a map. And we yeah. just basically line up and just try to kill each other and have, like, one person, like, go in and try to blow it up by, like, putting a sticky bomb on it. I know that people yeah. used to, like, do, like, warthog jousts in Halo as well, but I never... I like <laughs> yeah. the wraith battles. But, but yeah, yeah Kirby, like, Kirby Air Ride so good. real fun. Yeah, because there's, like, the regular racing, there's City Ride, and then there's, like, that RC Pro-Am mode. Um, that's kind of, like, the top-down... That's not as fun. Oh, like yeah, that, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's in it, too. I yeah. mean, that's. I, I think that's probably the mm. the lamest part of that game, but the, the city ride stuff, Yeah. which for people who don't know, it's basically like, maybe you could set the time or not. Like, I don't remember. But I like, can't actually remember some of the details. I just remember we used to, like, sort of make our own rules and, like, this weird, weird game, like, within that mode. Um, and like I said, there's like, we've ended up finding like holes in the, the level boundaries to get outside the main city. <laughs> so you could go fly around like just outside. No one could get to you. Yeah. Like I, I'm a little fuzzy on the details of what exactly city ride, like what the precise flow is, but it's basically like mm. you have like five minutes to explore this giant like map and look for the best vehicle that you can. And that's where the, uh, what the Dragoon from Smash Bros. Yeah, the Brothers Dragoon's Brawl the best one. And yeah. Wii U, yeah, that's that's from that. And I think um, you could collect, um, could you collect, like, it's like the new Smash Brothers mode, but you could collect, like, yeah, yeah. power-ups to sort yep. of, like, level up the strength of stuff. And yeah. speed and, and stuff like yeah. that. And you'd have, like, five minutes. To, actually, it is really similar to Smash Run. Because then, after you get to the end of five minutes, then, like, there's a race or something. And then you yeah, take your car, like and I think you can like attack other people during that and blow them up. Like I, I forget yeah. exactly what the flow is, but it's it's basically just Smash Run. Yeah, mm. all the Sakurai's. It's like Miyamoto, where like he's gonna do something fifteen years ago, and it's gonna come back in his game ten years later. Yep. But, all yeah. right, so um, that was a pretty good chat on Kirby. I think that's we'll probably leave it there unless Addison has anything quickly to add. Um, I just think it's a series it was the first game i ever owned was kirby's dreamland and i feel like it's kind of a series that i've fallen out of love with not mm-hmm. to end on a sad note but Edison as hates i said kirby. earlier Edison, the three dreamland <laughs> the three dreamland games are my favorite um i'm interested to see where this will go next. I think that Triple Deluxe was a giant leap in the right direction for how I like Kirby games to be. So there is hope at the end of the giant dark stomach of Kirby. <laughs> okay, so, so so Kirby Kirby Air Ride is it's called City Trial, not City Ride. And yeah, I'm, okay. I'm looking at a wiki page right now. It's basically just Smash Run. Yeah. Like, but it, I think there is actually a mode where is. you can. It's called. I think there is also a mode. It's that's probably called a free, free roam. roam. Yeah, yeah. That you can just sort of muck around in that for ages. But yeah, yeah it I'm is gonna... basically Smash Run. All right, all right, Nick, come to America. We're gonna play some Kirby Air Ride. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm working on it. Maybe, maybe <laughs> uh, next year or something. I'll try and take a trip. But um, um anyway, 
we'll take a quick break again and come back with a few listener mail questions. We're back with um, the segment for listener mail. So uh, we've got a few questions to go uh, to dig into. Um, Neil, would you like to take the first one? All right. This first one is from MintyFan87. Hey, guys, since we won't hear anything about the NX until next year, do you guys think it will be backwards compatible with Wii U games or no? Or maybe backwards compatible but not use the gamepad? I would love to hear your thoughts on it. So, mm. so what are we feeling about this one, guys? I... I don't think it has to be backwards compatible. No, I, you know, actually, I was thinking about this recently. Um, I kind of think that Nintendo would be maybe smarter just to uh, have a clean slate completely, uh, yeah, almost, um, and just basically cut any physical backwards compatibility out of the system completely. Um, you know, that's going to suck for Wii U games because it's going to be the only console you can play a lot of good games on unless they, like, port them to uh, the Remasters, baby. Remasters. Remasters. Yeah. But, um, I mean, if, if you think about it this way, optimistically, NX is going to sell way more than the Wii U did. Like, you let's, hope so. Let's, mm. let's entertain <laughs> the thought that the NX is a... Is a is Smashing not like smashing. I'm not even gonna go that far. Just just success. <laughs> More, period. Yeah. Like like yeah. GameCube success. Like that's yeah. that's the baseline here. Let's let's assume that NX is like that. Mm-hmm. You just do remasters of Wii U games, and yeah. like maybe if it's like you know okay like Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, super easy game to remaster. There's really nothing you need to do as far as like specific with the gamepad. Maybe like. You know, for for Pikmin three, there's a version of the game. Well, I guess maybe that, that that might be a bad example. But like, there's there's certain games that you can probably bring over with with minimal issue. Whereas stuff like Nintendo yeah. Land, like that's that's Wii U or bust. Um, and and I would almost say the same for Super Mario Maker. I just I don't see it working very well without a touch screen now. I think that works only because there's a touch screen. Yeah. Uh, you know, there could be like just say there is like like a handheld NX and like a a console NX. Like there's two SKUs or, or whatever. Maybe they could sort of supplement 
so some of the gamepad stuff through like uh, a handheld device um even if they just include some of the sort of the wireless tech from the gamepad into it but um you know if they just simply just made the gamepad like the gamepad we already own work with the nx that means like the only people that are ever going to be able to use the backwards compatibility would be people that own a wii u and like they're not going to start selling gamepads so you know what's the point in in the end yeah I think that to be successful like we're approximating hoping here I think it needs to be a extremely low cost option comparative to the competition mm. I've kind of thought that it was going to be the hybrid system but the more I think about it now it it seems like they're just going to make a system that's comparable but much less expensive than the competition it's, it's called release a wii u and take out the gamepad because that's mm. that that's like a 150 dollars system probably i think right yeah i think if nintendo did go for like the lower end of the price range on the market that would be a good spot for them to sort of aim for i think um to get further away from the ps4 and the xbox one and, um, you know, if with a shared architecture and stuff, they could put out multiple form factors and have, like, an iPad, iPhone sort of scenario. Um, maybe they do have a more expensive version. Well, I think they need... It just needs to be an architecture that's easy for third-party support, too. And if they have a low price and they put their games on it, it will sell. Like, people want to buy the Wii U... But don't because that three hundred dollar price range yep. for a dying system is a pretty big hit to take in the yeah. wallet. So if they make this a cheap option, they keep putting out the quality of games that they've had. I think it's going to do well. I think I can't imagine them getting rid of motion control completely, especially with the great feedback they've gotten from Splatoon. So maybe we see something like a six-axis controller. Well, I think can't the Wii U or, or like the DualShock Four, where you can tilt the actual controller. The Wii, no, the Wii U Pro controller doesn't have any motion in it, right? No. Do you have that thing where you can tie the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tie the to it. That's why I had the doubt string. about it because I remember there was that. Yeah. That's weird. So I could see them putting like a, a gyroscope in the. Yeah, basically like put the, the put the guts of a Wii remote it. into your regular ass controller. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you right. could probably it, you could probably even do something where it's just like the shape and form factor of a pro controller, and and have like a pointer at the end, and you could have it double as a Wii remote like object. Right, like the gamepad has a pointer. Yeah, it's yeah. not yeah. really used very much, but the I just think the Wii was successful because they the controller appealed to a wide audience. Now I think they need to stop worrying about that and make a controller that appeals to gamers and i think iterating on the pro controller is how they do that and i think they need to cut away from the wii family of products completely yeah um i think also over the years um and especially with the wii u there's so many different types of controllers you can buy for it that it just confuses like it confuses people to a degree i mean like, I don't want to have to buy, like, multiple different controllers to play different types of games. Like, just have one standard controller and, like, you know, sell one controller just to simplify things. I think simplifying things 
makes it easier for people. Like like my uh, my brother, who I would consider a a reasonably tech savvy guy. He's you know early early thirties. Generally knows his stuff. All of the stuff with Wii controllers and Wii U and Wii to Wii U transfer stuff. Like he's someone he's he's on the fringe of gaming. Mm. Um, but like I like he's always like, wait, what do you do? Like so. If I transfer my my virtual console games from my Wii to my Wii U, then I can't play them on my Wii. What what's the point? Um, yeah. And like like it's just a lot of that stuff. It just kind of gets lost on people, and you know, keeping those controllers around or having those controllers in the first place. Like, mm. it's it's something that like in theory, and for for people like us, like it's kind of nice because, you know, you go from the the Wii to the Wii U, and oh, okay, we already got four controllers. Although, I'm at a point yeah. where, because I have so many damn controllers, like, none of my weak remotes ever have batteries in them. Yeah. If they do, they're dead. Because, like, I, I have, like, you know, I've got, for, for my Wii U, I have the gamepad, I've got two Pro Controllers, I've got, like, a bajillion Wii remotes, I've got a couple nunchucks, I've got some classic controller pros. Like, it's unwieldy. It's Yeah, it is, yeah. It's kind of funny, because I have, um, by my TV, like, I have, I have drawers in my TV stand, and one is all of the Wii controllers, and it's, like, fucking broken because it's weighed down so heavily. And the other, I have, like, my my three PS4 controllers and, like, all this extravagant room. Um, like, it's just kind of, it's comical looking at that and how convoluted it is. It's even worse when you uh, throw in having four nunchucks as well. Yeah. Because you're, cause you're looking at, like, what is that? Like, if, if you have... If you want to have maximum functionality for your Wii U, you could have, like, 12 controllers. <laughs> or 12, 12 items, like, between mm. nunchucks and Wii remotes and pro controllers and... Yeah. It's weird. I can't wait, I can't wait for Rumbo to come out so I can use all of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, going back to the when the Wii was, like, coming out and stuff... Like, yeah, it had GameCube um, backwards compatibility, but I really sort of liked the... Um, there was such a strong vision and, like, cleanness about the Wii when it was coming out. I mean, you had the remote, you had the nunchuck, you had the this really classic sleek controller. system, and you had the, the classic controller, which was for, like, virtual console games. Dude, I ate and that shit up. I got I got one of everything. That yeah, same, and that was that was good. I thought I thought that was good at the time, but over the years, they've just added more and more SKUs of, of different controllers. And um, sure, you don't need to own all of them, but it is a lot of confusion out there. And you have the weird stuff where it's like for I mean, and, and I understand why. Like for for Mario Party, um, you know, you use Wii remotes for that because some of those things have motion controls. But it's like. So you wanted me to buy all these Pro Controllers, Nintendo, and then you have multiplayer games come out where I can't use the Pro Controllers. And, like, Nintendo Land's the same way. Yeah. Like, it's, and it's all just, it's such a confusing message. And that's why, I mean, I guess kind of coming back to the listener mail question that we have clearly gotten off track on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I I feel like, I mean, I think the, the PS4 and the Xbox One both proved that you do not need to have backwards compatibility at launch, if ever. Um, like mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think we will ever see backwards compatibility for PS3 on PS4. Like that's never yeah, going to no. happen. Yeah. And maybe maybe we will see like your PS1 classics be able to be played on your PS4. But I even doubt that. Um, and we're seeing with Xbox One, and I, I have a feeling, in all honesty, why Xbox One is backwards compatible to Xbox 360, it's because they're losing. Um, that's the only reason why. 
And with Nintendo, I think they don't have to do it, and I think they'd be wise to just start fresh, have a have a solid virtual console plan in in, in place. Which mm-hmm. I mean, we can believe that as much, you know, we can believe their virtual console plan as as much as we can throw it, which isn't that far. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, like if they if they do it right, then they don't need to be backwards compatible because they can just resell us stuff for realsies on on virtual console or maybe it's something where you can import your virtual console games to the nx like who knows you could they could even simplify it further and once the nintendo network id is all connected with everything all your purchases right and like connect yeah. to everything like all that stuff but um you know they could just say oh yeah you own super mario brothers one two and three and we can see that when we release the NX version, you get it for free. Like, or, or that, realistically, when when we release the NX version, you have to pay a dollar to get it. Yeah, you know, even they could, if they wanted to make Which, it, like, be, I will, be a I will crowd be, pleaser. I will be could. totally honest. I have no qualms with the whole. Oh, like yeah. I got Kirby sixty four on Wii Virtual Console. I have to pay two dollars to upgrade it to Wii U. Like, I I don't have an issue with that. I never have. Hmm. I know a lot of people, like, they think that they should just have it forever, but I'm like, no, like, there was work done in to bring this here. Like, it'd be really nice if it was, like, you know, PlayStation with crossplay, but, like, I can't imagine that crossplay is something that's making companies a lot of money, so you gotta get something out of it. And I don't have an issue with paying a dollar yeah. to unlock, you know, a little more functionality for a game that I that I have. Mm. But, yeah, I guess what we're saying, what we're thinking is, like... Um... The gamepad's probably going to be stuck on Wii U forever. Um, it's, yeah, because it, it was a failure. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. You want to hold on to your your Wii U and <laughs> buy the game. Put it, for put it, it now, next so. to your Virtual Boy. <laughs> poor, poor Virtual Boy. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. Um, so I'll just uh, take on this this question. We got a question um, or, or a long, fairly long email from uh, Scars No More, and he basically was saying uh, he really liked the Awada um, episode that we did a few weeks back, and um, he sort of relayed some of his uh, thoughts on the passing of Awada. Basically, sort of some of just his personal experiences i mean he said here that uh awada was like the first nintendo ceo he sort of had any knowledge of so i assume he's on like a bit of the younger side um you know to to uh, be fair in in all of our lifetimes that we only know of two well good point (laughs) yamachi was a ceo from like i don't know 1894 to 2002 (laughs) like yeah I mean, no, no, but like for for realsies, I think it was what was it, like nineteen forty to two thousand two or something ridiculous like that. Uh, it might have been like nineteen fifty two or something. Yeah, I think. But like, but, I mean, yeah. either either way, Yamachi was president for like fifty years. Pretty much. Yeah, so I think he was like what he was probably around like in his mid fifties when the NES was coming out. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. Like that guy. And I think just... I think he retired in his late 60s maybe early 70s and i think that he took over the company when he was like 18 yeah pretty much so so i think about i think about 50 years anyway um before we get too far off track uh, i'm just going to read the question that um scars no left at the end of his email 
or hers. Um, I'm not sure exactly. We'll be um, ambiguous. So here we go. Would it be basically saying, would it be weird if um, someone else, like from another country, a, a foreigner, took over Nintendo? Um, he knows that Nintendo like would likely be opposed to pushing like a foreigner, such as even Reggie, to the CEO status at Nintendo. And um, do we think that it would be good for them to focus on the wider international market by appointing someone that isn't Japanese? Um, I, I don't think that will ever happen in the near future. In the foreseeable future. I, don't, I, I think that whoever will take over as CEO and president is going to be someone, a Japanese person from Japan. Like, yep. that yeah. is the only option. Um, and that, that I mean, could change in, like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, maybe. But for at least whoever's replacing Iwata, like, that ain't going to be Reggie. If it is, what? like, by, by the time you hear this, maybe Reggie will be announced as CEO. But I just, I don't think that <laughs> with with shareholders and everything, like, that's that's not flying right now. Right. Well, yeah. it's a company that was family-run for so long. Like, Iwata was the only first like non-family yeah. member to run the company like it, it would seem like a pretty big step if they're going outside japan or even outside of the con- company mm. in japan to find a ceo yeah yeah i don't even know if like when you if you got someone from just outside the company and like was not really invested in nintendo like beforehand or knew anything about them you do run the risk of them sort of you know doing making decisions that aren't really in nintendo's long-term interest like we were saying last time when we were talking about Iwata and how he sort of plans out planned out things for sort of looking at the longer term i mean some other ceos would have would have um bowed to the pressure from this uh the shareholders and made a lot of hasty decisions a few years ago like I've, I've, uh, I mean, uh, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, there was I, I worked as a, uh, a contract copywriter at Toys R Us for for like almost a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and for people who aren't in the know about Toys R Us, they've been having a rough time. Um, I think in my time there, they went through like two presidents and CEOs or something like that. I think there was a chunk of time where there was no president or CEO because they were in between them. Um, and I just noticed from, from working at that company that you had a lot of kind of, when you had all that turmoil, just there was like shifts in in strategy almost constantly. Where it's, I mean, that, that kind of fear that, you know, unfortunately for Nintendo, they, they might be getting to that point where there starts to be that fear and there starts to be that insanity and that, that direction change every other day. And that's, I mean, that's yeah. going to be the struggle right now for the company mm. going forward with, without Iwata. Um, because Iwata was the kind of person that could that could keep people focused, keep people kind of on target, have a plan in place. Um, and I think you run the risk if you do something so drastic as bringing in a Western voice that they might upend the tea table, but in a in a negative way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where I think I think you kind of I think it's in Nintendo's best interest right now if they believe in what Iwata was doing, the plan that he was that he was laying out and putting into place for how to deal, how, how to turn the ship around after the failure of the Wii U. Um, 
then you then you have to put in someone who's going to keep up that same kind of style. Yeah. Um, or else then you're gonna you're gonna have issues and things are gonna blow up and change change direction change shape. The biggest the biggest problem could be like if say just say if something drastic like this happened and someone else from outside the company was appointed um, as C like CEO of Nintendo and they just like went uh you know I don't really see this idea that Mr Iwata was laying out before I'm just gonna switch gears right now and like blow it all up or, or change it drastically you know like that would be a problem I think or could be a problem um switching gears sort of mid-step like you know yeah definitely so how, how are we feeling um well I guess uh you know it feels so fucked up to be like Willie Waters did who's gonna replace him but yeah. uh but I mean, now that we've we've had almost a month since since Iwata passed, uh, what what are you guys feeling as far as like when we're gonna hear about a new president, who it might be, or at least where where this supposed person might be coming from? I don't know. I think it still feels like it's gonna be a while before anything is announced. At least, um, I I don't know. I maybe feeling. They could make an announcement like January next year or something. Just wait, like after sort of after Christmas and all that sort of stuff. It, it all depends on how much, like you know, where they're at with sort of just deciding on that sort of decision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they if they had a succession plan in place or or, or whatever, um, I think that. I mean, I've been kind of... At first, I was thinking, like, oh, it's either going to be right away or, like, January next year. Um, and I didn't really think about that until kind of right now, but it'll probably be tied to an investor report. Yeah. Um, because you're mm. going to have questions starting to be asked. And, yep. you know, I mean, the next the next quarterly one will be October. Um, but that could even be, I mean, Miyamoto and Takeda, are, they are veterans of the process of how to how to do that stuff. I mean, you'll see Miyamoto and Takeda will be... Usually Iwata was fielding a lot of the questions, but that they would be there, and, you know, the times when Iwata would miss it, when he was sick, you know, Miyamoto and Takeda would be there to field the questions, and they might be doing that in October, because I think that you, you want to kind of maintain the ship through the holidays, because it's a very important time of the year for the company. Yeah. Um, and then probably beginning of next year is when, when you announce that, and kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. All right, so Addison, do you want to take the next and last question? Okay. NintiFan87 writes, Nintendo merchandise, how much do you collect? Would you sign up for the rumored loot crate service from Nintendo? Hmm. Um, well. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to say no, but I wouldn't want to. That doesn't mean I won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like, at face value, I'm like, shit, no, I don't need more stuff. But if they're like, you're gonna get this really cool Majora's mask, Majora's mask like poster, I'll be like, all right, yeah, man. <laughs> I wonder if they could um, like start you, packing amiibo into the loot crate thing. Like, you're gonna get a Toon Link plushie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll sign up for this. Like, there, there's very easy ways to get to my heart with this shit. Hmm. I'm yeah. I'm trying like I don't buy like a whole lot of merchandise anyway, but especially now, um, I'm trying. I don't really want to buy any more sort of plushies and 
like just toys and merchandise and stuff. I've been buying some of the Amiibo, sure, but you know, you can, I don't know, you can go too far with stuff and then you just got like more stuff sitting around like collecting dust, like. Am I the only person that's just having, uh, having a picture of Justin Baruby dancing in my head? while we're having this conversation <laughs> yeah well justin's a special case he buys like everything that comes out yeah i still i still need to do that storage wars joke episode looking at his collection because there is there he's got a storage unit it's got a bunch of nintendo shit in it really he actually does have a storage unit yeah he has so oh, wow. much stuff i think i saw a picture a while back where he had um like three game pads in a picture or something something yeah. crazy like. well yeah because they'll get all the special editions like he yeah. has he has all of the special editions Ugh. and he's got mm. all like like any any knickknack that has nintendo on it like he's probably got it mm-hmm. but as, as far as me for collecting like i think that the advent of having official nintendo action figures has ruined me um not even just yeah. Amiibo, like, all of the, the Jack-specific world of Nintendo stuff, like, mm. I actually think those are really fun. Like, they're, you know, for the most, and, unless unless you're dealing with resellers and can't find them in stores, which, unfortunately, that's kind of the way that's going right now. Um, huh. I mean, they're reasonably, they're reasonably priced, like, not the best quality, but, like, I have a Samus figure. It's sitting on my desk at work. I love it. I have a giant Metroid. Like, that's super cool. I, oh, got, I didn't know I got they made the, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'll. T- I mean, maybe maybe when I go to work tomorrow, maybe I'll I'll send you a picture or like post yeah, it on sure. Twitter and, and tag you in it. But like, yeah. yeah, there's like a big big Metroid thing. Um, there's like little like two and a half inch like I've got a Tetra, I've got a Toon Link, I've got a big big Wind Waker Ganondorf that's part of that toy line. They yeah. had a Fox McCloud one as part that's of the next cool. wave, and like that's that's fun. And like I, I think the Amiibos are like. I don't want to be like amiibos are art, but like those those are like a lot cleaner, less interactive builds. Like I'm I'm looking at my amiibo collection right now, and there's a Yoshi that's just staring at me, judging <laughs> me. Um, but like the the design of all of those, the design of all of those are 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 really cool. Yeah. Um, but I also like having like toys I can play with. Um, so that's why I like the Jack specific stuff. But that's kind of what's ruining me is that mm-hmm. I, I I went through a long time where basically the only Nintendo paraphernalia I'd buy would be like the occasional T-shirt and games. Yeah. And yeah. and now I'm getting all these fucking figures and it's stupid. <laughs> I like, I would have been like crazy about most of this stuff, um, what, ten twelve years ago. But back then there was like zero merchandise to buy in stores anywhere like Nintendo stuff. Um, like now you can walk into an EB games here and like, there's just like toys and plushies and like shirts like everywhere. But back, back in the day there was like games. That's it. That's what you could get. Um, and even like, like in the, over the last, I don't know, five to seven years or so, um, a clothing company here in Australia, like puts out a whole bunch of like retro t-shirts and stuff like on a fairly regular basis. So I was like buying like, most of those um, that were coming out like for a while, but I've stopped doing that now because I don't really need any more gaming shirts. Yeah, I just don't think I can really justify it. It's like I'm going to take the little money I have to like buy this stuff and buy exactly what I want rather than like having somebody send me stuff and I'll probably end up with like a million things from the Metroid series and have mm. to burn it all. <laughs> So, I think 
I'll just stick to my getting the amiibo that I really care about and try to avoid spending any more money. Yeah. I say that now, but mm. yeah, I'm going no, to I mean, at least I, try for that. I'm starting like I'm at a I'm at a point where like I after I, I thought that Microsoft's uh, Gamescom press conference and their E3 press conference is really strong, and I kind of want to get an Xbox One, and yeah. I'm like crunching the numbers and. I'm kind of realizing how much stupid money I'm spending on Amiibo. Um, and, like, really, instead of getting all these fucking Amiibo, I could have gotten, like, three Xbox Ones. I'm exaggerating a lot. Not not by much. I could have gotten, I don't know, like, an Xbox One and a bunch... in every game I want for the system yeah. for the price of all the Amiibo that I've gotten. And mm -hmm. that's that's kind of... And I, I'm already to a point where it's just, like, the, the whole process of getting Amiibo is just frustrating and not fun. And I do... There are still ones that I want. Like I, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a Yarn Yoshi. I'm probably only gonna get one of them. Um, I bought all three of those. I got all three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two of them are still sealed. I opened the green one because it came with. I got the bundle that came with the game as well. So yeah, like I'll probably, I'll actually, I'll probably get the Yoshi's Wally World bundle. I'll get the Chibi Robo bundle. I think that might be the mm. only way they're selling that game physically. Yeah. Um, and like you know, it's not like I'm gonna be like, no, no more Amiibo, but like. I'm not. I'm not going for collecting them all. It's just unfortunately, I like a lot of Nintendo characters. So there's yeah. a lot of them that I want. But it's like I, I want to s stop getting out of this whole thing of buying all this shit, and I want to like buy games because that's like why I'm here. Mm -hmm. It's not because I want to buy toys. It's because I want to buy games and I want to play those games. So mm -hmm. instead of buying a bunch of figures that. Like, maybe one time I'll put them into Codename Steam so I can be like, okay, playing as Marth in this game isn't really that much fun. Um, I can save that money and then buy an Xbox One and play Blast Core on it. Yeah, rare replay. I'm, I'm tempted, but I'm probably not going to pull the trigger on Xbox One for at least another year or so. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to legitimize it, but I don't know if that's going to happen soon. There, there's a Madden bundle that, that probably would be a good deal but i don't know i'm i'm far more likely to get a ps4 first i think just because there's more games coming out on it that are interesting i'm holding out for the nx you already well, have some... it. Or, or did you sell your xbox one yeah i did okay you should have sold it to me you probably wouldn't have been interested at that time you're probably right i don't know <laughs> I'm not saying you're I wrong. Think I'm not mad about it. <laughs> so I um, think I've made my opinion on Rare Replay quite known if you follow yeah. me on the Twitters. Addison does not like Rare Replay. Mm, I mean, I can play He's a games. Rare hater as well. <laughs> uh, Kirby hater, Rare oh, hater. And as far as, as, far as buying really dumb shit... I bought all three of those rare, uh, the rare vinyl that went up on nice. I Am 8-Bit. I bought Banjo and Perfect Dark because I don't care about Battletoads at all. I, I, I really want, so I think I've posted about this before, but I got at New York Comic Con like two or three years ago, I got this print of, it's the Green Lantern riding Yoshi. <laughs> and so like one year like it was just like a friend of mine uh, yeah, was like oh that. I want to buy something from this guy and I'm looking at this and I just saw this image and I'm like this shit's speaking to me because like this Green Lantern riding the Yoshi thing it's like that can't happen there's no world and it's it's a it's a Green Lantern construct is the Yoshi I'm like there's no world where that happens like Nintendo and DC Comics aren't going to play nice and have it so it's like oh look at this comic in this comic uh, Green Lantern rides Yoshi in space 
and they go fight Bowser. Like, that's never going to happen. It's impossible. But anything is possible. Like, this, I don't know how, like, that shit spoke to me. Like, made me feel way better about life. It inspired me to do work. Like, then the next year at New York Comic Con, I found the same guy. Um, and I told him that. And he looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> I was like, you're, you're, you're goofy Green Lantern riding the Yoshi thing. It inspired me. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh. Um, but anyway, uh, dumb story short, um, the dude who did that Green Lantern riding the Yoshi thing did the art for the Perfect Dark vinyl. Oh, um, okay. Which cool. is really cool. Um, yeah. So I, I wanted to get that one because, like, that dude made art that spoke to me at a really stupid level. Um, mm. So I wanted to get that one. And then, like, I was there. I'm like, I don't know, the thing with the with the banjo and the, the kazooie looking realistic, that's really stupid. I want to get that. The music in that game is really good, too. And the yeah. Battletoads. I mean, I'll be able to hang out with friends and put the pause screen on a fucking record player. <laughs> I, I kind of need like, that in my life. Each of these, each of these albums is... Um... There's only three thousand being made, so they're going to be some sort of collector's item. Yeah, probably, and I think the art know. on all three of them it looks really nice. It's just that, yeah. As far as buying useless shit, like I just bought three useless things that like <laughs> it'll make me happy because I think yeah. that they'll look very nice. I just thought it was I have, cool. That I have the, a small um, the, vinyl collection. Like the banjo vinyl is um like two two discs and like one of them's uh colored brown and one of them's going to be colored red. Yeah. So that's so cool. Yeah, like I have, I, like I have a couple, couple bands that I really like that I, am sort of, absentmindedly collecting their vinyl. Like, I mean, they they'll mm-hmm. have like pre-order stuff for their new album, and I'll just get the one that yeah. I get the the vinyl and the download code, mm-hmm. um, and I like it because yeah, I mean, I I kind of understand the appeal of people who collect vinyl because it looks really neat, and a lot of the stuff that comes out now, it's like this very, kind of special release because it's not for a big market, so. It might be a little more expensive, but you're going to get, like, really cool-looking art. You're going to get really cool-looking, you know, records. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, vinyl definitely does have a, um, like, collecting vinyl. Like, the, the artwork is really impressive, usually. Like, you don't really think about it until you have one, like, holding one in your hand. The, like, the, the size of it and, like, pulling out, like, any sort of inserts or even, like, having, like, a gatefold or you sort of open it up and it's, like, all liner notes and stuff. Yeah. Like, all that stuff's really cool. And um, actually, here in Australia, um, vinyl, uh, vinyl's been sort of on an upswing worldwide, but even uh, here in Australia, like, um, one of the biggest uh, electronics retailers and, like, where everyone pretty much buys their games and DVDs and Blu-rays and all that, they have, like, most of their stores now have, like, a relatively large vinyl section, um, which That's is, cool. like, pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, I have, a, a, like, a friend who lives down the road that they, like, they, they've gotten super crazy into getting vinyl where they're like going to flea markets and going to the record store in town and looking for good deals whereas i just have like i have like the handful of bands that i'm like uh maybe i'll go see them live and they'll have like one of their old albums on vinyl and i'll buy it unless one of those vinyls is the double dragon soundtrack not interested (laughs) i'm sure that's gonna happen streets of rage 2 man dude the one good game that has the name Rare attached to it. What 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 game? Double Dragon, man. Wasn't that only a uh, Battletoads Double Dragon? No, I think they. I, no, that was had Technos. some sort of hand. Yeah, I don't think. They, uh, Trade yeah. West. Mm. I mean, Trade West had nothing to do with Rare. They were just a publisher. 
Uh, like they published mind. rare games, but we need to Gold like Nye is good, <laughs> but that's about it. <sighs> anyway, yeah, we need we need like a, a a vinyl of a Sonic the Hedgehog music on a forty five so it goes faster. Yeah, <laughs> I would buy that. <laughs> It is. It is funny. Like when you don't have the speed right on a record, and you put it on, you're like, "What the? What, what happened to that guy?" Yeah, no. He's me and my sister. Me, me and my sister used to purposely do that because it was funny, making everyone chipmunk sounded. Anyway, let's wrap it up because <laughs> on, we have on this episode gone off of the rails. vinyl collectors, like <laughs> vinyl collectors. Yeah. Aim at your aim at your shitty vinyl collectors who buy dumb <laughs> video game soundtracks on vinyl. All right, so. Before we completely wrap up, I just wanted to put the word out there uh, properly because by the time this goes out, um, it'll be about probably like a week or a week and a half away from happening. And that's the Connectivity Live show uh, where we're going to be talking about Star Fox Adventures and we're going to be talking about dinosaurs. At least, well, at least Zach and Scott are going to be talking about dinosaurs <laughs> because I have no idea what anything about dinosaurs really. So I'll be um, listening. <laughs> You, yeah, we'll, me and Neil will be listening to that 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 segment, yeah. but um, we're going to be taking uh, hopefully taking some live calls through both of those segments. Um, we are going to be likely running this whole thing through Google Hangouts, so we're going to have to um, you know, if you're going to call in, we're going to send out a link um, somehow to sort of invite people in, and we'll probably have some sort of a waiting room um, to you know to bring people into the conversation, but um that's sort of the plan and um so you're gonna need like a google hangout account and yeah like we'll have and, a chat there yeah. and we'll probably i don't know if it'll be like just messaging you on google or something with the link to join in and then we'll yeah. kick you out when you're done yeah um, we had we did a test the other week to make sure we could kick people out so yeah that's that can important. happen <laughs> um so yeah i think that's that's all the relevant information for right now yeah neil i think we're gonna be we'll, yeah. we'll post like a, a more detailed um star fox adventures baby we'll post a more detailed thing on the site like with all the information and stuff like a week out or something so uh if you yeah see it on the site you'll be able to check it all out and um it's going to be happening on august 28th at i think did we say 9 p.m eastern i think so yeah well I'm pretty sure that's the time, but like to double check, we'll double check and uh, have that on the also, side as well. Also, um, completely, completely irrelevant to that, but uh, I've got two fantasy football drafts that weekend, so we could always do the bonus, bonus segment of help Neil figure out who to pick in his fantasy football leagues. <laughs> we're just, we're just going to keep going for like <laughs> six hours. We'll keep going until until I have people come over my house for a live draft, and I'll just have the Google Hangout in my living room. <laughs> and you can like you can say hi to my dad and my brother and my friends and join us for for the football draft as they're all like what the fuck is this um yeah that's not gonna happen so but, i can but talk do, to iggy i'll do it yeah but do play Star Fox adventures and, and join along with that um it should be interesting um yeah tricky is that you yeah, I haven't started playing it yet. I should be starting to play it next week. Um, yeah, I, I started playing I remember, it. And, uh, I remember not hating it. Like, when I played it, like, it wasn't good, but it wasn't terrible. Like, I played through the majority of that game and wasn't that upset about it. I thought it looked beautiful at the time. And it was just kind of like a, a run-of-the-mill Zelda game. 
We'll we'll get into that on the live yeah. show, but yeah, I, I don't yeah. hate it either. I'm just kind I, of played teasing it, a, it times. a little bit, trying to get people interested in playing the Star Fox <laughs> Adventures. It's it's not that bad. It's like you know, it's probably dated a bit now, but it's not bad, and it still looks very nice. All right, so that's going to do us for this episode of Connectivity. Thanks again, Neil and Addison, for joining me. Um, so yeah, um, if you have any questions or comments please leave them in the talk back or send them through to uh, connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com um, do you guys want to throw out your twitter handles as well because people can interact with us that way as well sure i'm at enron 10 n-r-o-n one zero and i am at rweba r-w-e-b-b-a and i'm at nicholas n-w-r n-i-c-h-o-l-a-s uh so yeah um thanks again guys and until next time bye everyone bye toodles the musical selections this week were from the kirby's dream collection cd and the super mario 3d world soundtrack Ba 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 
I'm mad that uh, <laughs> You know this is going on the end of the show now. <laughs> yeah. He's like the You have the voice of an angel.